Yeah, very, very glad you've joined us. All of our locations want to say hello to our Hokesson location and all of you joining us at our online location. Very glad uh, that you are along for the ride today. We are in the final week of Relationship Playbook. And if you are joining us for the first time, we spent the past few weeks talking about how to make our relationships work, especially when it seems like there's so much working against us. And right before we jump into the message you just heard about our Middletown meet and greets happening here at Newark, our Newark location this weekend, but for our Middletown location. And I want to just take a moment and encourage you, if you live in the Middletown area, if you have family, friends that are just interested to know more about what we're planning for our new location in Middletown, check out a meet and greet. I'm going to be there and I would love uh, to see you there as well. And then one more thing before we jump into the message uh, today, I just, as I was preparing for this weekend, I was away last weekend And whenever I'm away, I always think about how much I miss you and miss here. In fact, I'm always asking, how's everybody doing? How's everything happening in the journey? What's going on? And I just wanted to take take a moment and let you know that that's because I love you. I really love you, Journey. You are an amazing church. Yeah, I'm very grateful for what I get to do and just want to say thank you for the privilege of serving you. There is no place like home. I love my church. So... As we jump into this last week of this series, how many of us, honestly, just show of hands if you're in the the room, how many of us have found that making relationships work is easier said than done? How many of us would just say, yeah, easier said than done? If you're online, let us know right now. Easier said than done. And I think that's true. We have big dreams when it comes to our, our dating, our friendships, our marriage, our our parenting, our social life, but those dreams often get tested by unsuccessful attempts to get along, unmet expectations, unclear communication, right? I mean, that's just part of relationships. So as we wrap up the series, I do want to kind of press a little bit more on that and just ask the question, you're going to have to be brave, uh, especially if you're in one of our physical rooms, just be brave. How many of us would say, would admit that we have not followed through on something recently, not followed through. We said we would do something and we didn't, or we said we wouldn't do something and we did. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm sure that if you go any you know longer than seven hours, there's at least an occasion or two. I'm not followed through on something. And let me just take it one step further. Okay, one more question. How many of us get upset when someone doesn't follow through for us? How many of you, yeah, just... Show of hands, yeah, we, so a lot of the same hands went up, if you're in one of our physical rooms, like, we don't, we don't always follow through, but we don't like it when people don't follow through. How many of us are hypocrites? Would you just, no, I'm just kidding, you don't have to, <laughs> yeah. you do not have to indicate on that one, all right, we just keep that, keep that on, on the, on the down low between us. So, it's a reality, whatever you believe about God, so whether you're just kind of trying to figure out what you believe, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, somewhere in between. You've probably realized by now how extremely unreliable human beings can be, including the one that looks back at us from the mirror every day. We just can be very unreliable. So I have good news and bad news. I'm going to start with the bad news. The bad news is I can't tell you how to fix that in everyone else in your life. And I know that's bad news. Maybe you came to church. You were like, okay, we're doing a relationship series at church. I'm going to go to church because I just, like, I need help. If you knew her, you would know why I came to the relationship series. Maybe some of you, that's what you're thinking. If you knew what I was going through, 
And now I'm giving you this bad news. I don't know how to fix that person. I really don't. But the good news is, I think I know how you and I can fix this commitment problem in us. And when we do, over time, our relationships can get better. So next weekend, we're going to kick off a brand new series called Jesus Who that will lead us into Easter. I'm very excited about it. We're going to dig into who Jesus really was, the truth about who Jesus was and why it matters, why it makes a difference in our lives today. And I believe that's going to help all of us, wherever we are spiritually, connect the dots and experience more of Jesus in our lives. But if you're here today and you are new to the life of Jesus, one of the things that's interesting about his story is that he was not always welcomed when he was here, especially by the religious people of his day, ironically. So if you've ever been like, I'm not religious, would Jesus enjoy being around me? The answer is yes. And many times religious people actually were his biggest critics. In fact, we read about a time in the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus' life at the beginning of the New Testament of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In the first one of those, we read about a time when a bunch of religious leaders confront Jesus and they demand to know, hey, what gives you the right? Where do you get your authority from? Why do you think you can talk about God so openly like you know him so well? Or why do you think you can heal people like this or call people, invite people to follow you? What gives you the right. And in response, Jesus asks them a question. He says, well, I'll answer your question, but first, I've got one for you. And he asks them about a guy named John the Baptist, who basically came to pave the way for Jesus. He was Jesus' cousin, and he came, John came saying, hey, there's one coming after me. He's who you should really listen to. I just came to set the stage for him. He's talking about Jesus. So Jesus asked these religious leaders, you want to know where I get my authority? I'll tell you, but first... You tell me, did John the Baptist come from God? Was he sent by God or not? And the religious leaders did not want to answer because they didn't want to say, yes, he was sent by God, because then Jesus would say, well, why didn't you listen to him? They didn't want to say no, because the crowd was kind of standing around. And the crowd liked John, even though John was a little crazy, if you read about him. He's a little different, all right? He hit different, okay? But, he, but the crowd loved John, and so the religious leaders didn't want to say, well, no, he didn't come from God. They were worried about the crowd. So they say, we're not going to tell you. And Jesus is like, well, I'm not going to answer your question. But what I will do is tell you a story. Here's what Jesus says. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Jesus asked, what do you think about that? We've got a dad, he's pretty well off, it seems. He has two sons. He asked the older one to go work in the family vineyard. That's part of how we know that this was likely a wealthy, successful family because the sons have a choice whether to work or not. If it wasn't their father's vineyard, they would not have a choice. It's clear this guy owns the vineyard. And so he says to his sons, I want you to go work in our family vineyard. And the first son says, no, not gonna do it. But then later, he changes his mind and does what his dad asked. Now, this is a parable, a little short story that Jesus tells to highlight something much more important than what's actually going on in the story. Jesus told a lot of these kinds of stories. And when he tells a story like this, the owner or the vineyard owner or the boss or the dad in the story usually represents 
God. It's one of the ways Jesus revealed God, that he is like a wealthy landowner. He's the creator of everything. He's in charge of everything. Sometimes in these stories, as in this case, the, the uh, father in the story represents God. God is our father. He cares about us. He sees us as his children. Sometimes the person in the story that's the boss represents God, and Jesus is like, God is the boss. He's in charge. He gets to call the shots. But remember that Jesus is talking to religious people. So what he's telling them is that there are people who have said no to God, maybe for their whole lives. But then something happens, and somewhere along the way, they change their mind. They stop saying no to God. Jesus even has a word he's going to use to describe this. We'll read it in a few minutes. They repent, or they turn in the other direction. They have a change of mind. They come to a place where they realize saying no to God isn't working. This is not working the way I thought it was going to work. And so they change their no to a yes. Did you know that you can spend your whole life ignoring God, ridiculing the idea of God, resenting God, avoiding God, doing the exact opposite of everything God stands for and desires, and then change your mind? You can change your mind, maybe even today. Maybe you spend your whole life going, no, I don't believe in God. That's for religious people. I'm not into that. That's not for me. And how could a good God allow such terrible things to happen in the world? And maybe you've had all of that going on in your life. You've always said no. Did you know that you can change your mind? That's good news, everybody. You can change your mind. You can repent and go in a new direction. Again, that can even happen for you today. It happens all the time. So the younger son, or the older son rather, says no, but then changes his mind. But there's more to the story. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. What do you think about that? I mean, the second son seems on the surface to have it going on, right? He's polite. He's responsive. He's respectful. How many of us wish our kids would say, sir, I mean, this kid has kind of got his act together, right? It's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Right away, sir, I'm headed there right now. I'll get right on it. I'm going to be in the vineyard before you even know what happened. I can't wait. I'm on my way. He represents people who talk a good talk. They may even look down on those bad people around them who aren't doing the right thing. And they act very committed but they never seem to actually end up doing what God really wants. They don't seem to actually end up working in God's vineyard. They, they talk a lot. They're, in fact, they're all talk, no walk. All show, no go. And this speaks, even though Jesus is describing our relationship with God, which is the most important relationship in our lives, it actually speaks to how our human relationships work as well. Listen, I don't know where you are in your relationship journey, and I don't know like if you're in middle school or high school, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. I don't know if you've been around the block. I don't know if you have a PhD in relationships or you live in the woods. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you're isolated or if you're the world's biggest extroverted extrovert and you have more friends than you know what to do with. I don't know where you are, and you know what? It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, here's what all relationships are shaped around. All relationships are shaped around a series of commitments that we either keep or we don't keep 
And in the end, that, what we do, not just say, is what determines the health of our relationships long term. Whether we're in our high school years, again, wherever, whatever stage of life, retired, anywhere in between, and whatever our level of education or experience, it doesn't matter. Relationships come down to commitments that are either kept or not kept. In any given relationship, the more commitments are kept over time. You say big commitments or small commitments? Yes. The more commitments are kept, the more commitments are followed through on over time, the better that relationship will gradually become. And in any relationship, the more promises are unkept and decisions are not followed through on and it's forgotten and excuses are made and it's swept under the rug over time, the worse that relationship will become. Now, I am a high ownership person. All right, it's a core value for me. I believe in following through on my commitments. And I'm not just saying that. If you think I'm puffing myself up, I'm getting ready to let all the air out. Don't worry. But I am a high ownership person. Part of it's personality. Part of it is just decisions over time to be someone who follows through. I follow through on my commitments. I'm not perfect by any stretch. But if you ask people who know me well, they would say, yeah, Mark is a high ownership person. He's going to do what he said he was going to do when he said he's going to do it. But the first few years of my marriage and my parenting experience, I was sometimes more committed to my work than I was to my wife and kids. Now, I would never say that. If you pulled me aside, I would say, oh, no, no, no. Susie matters most to me. My kids, of course. It's my priority. But the reality is I would tell Susie I was going to do something, and then I would forget or I'd get sidetracked but I wouldn't forget or get sidetracked if it was a work thing. I would follow through. And eventually, here's what I realized. Doesn't matter what I say. The truth is, I have a lower standard for the relationships that I say matter most to me than I do for my career. And I realized I can make all kinds of excuses about why that's true. I can blame other people. I guess my wife and kids don't really get me or it's just the season that I'm in. But the reality is I could do all of that or I could realize that the very loud yes I said to Susie when I married her has become a quiet no or at best a soft-spoken maybe. But it is not the same yes that I said when I married her. Now, you may not be married. Maybe you're not interested in ever being married. That may not be your life. Maybe this is not what you struggle with. For some of you, you're like, oh no, my family, they know. They're first. It's work I'm slacking off on, baby. (laughs) So maybe you got like the opposite thing going on. I don't know. Maybe you're a student and you're like, oh no, I'm very committed to my friends, but I just don't ever follow through on my schoolwork. I don't know what it is. Here's what I know. I realized if I'm going to be a person of integrity, a person who does what he said he would do when he said he would do it, I can't keep switching that on and off when it's convenient. I am, in the end, either a husband and dad and leader and employee and friend and neighbor who can be counted on, or I'm not. And if I am in some relationships, but not others, that just means I'm not. 
So I had to do some repenting, some changing my mind, some changing my behaviors, and things are better now. And I still, this is a work in progress, all right? I don't have this all figured out. But I begin to realize, man, I want to live one life that's just consistent and reliable and can be counted on. Again, don't always get it perfect, but I want to live that way. And also, I will say this, if you are married, Susie and I built some practices, some habits into our marriage that have made it much easier for us to follow through. Because you need a vision, a picture of how that relationship should work. And then how many know you need some systems? You need some plans to actually make it happen. And if you're interested in those, if you're like, well, I'm married, that sounds good, I have no idea how to do it, we're going to release some of that on our app this week on the Journeys app. We'll show some of those tools that we've used. But here's the question for all of us, single, married, divorced, dating, widowed, wherever we are in life, how are our relationships doing in this area? How are we doing in this area? Are we keeping our commitments And where is it that maybe we've said no, that we need to double back and say yes, because our no wasn't healthy? Or where is it that we've said yes, but we haven't followed through? Maybe for some of us, you said yes when your parents asked you to do something, but they constantly have to chase you down, and you act extremely irritated when they remind you to simply do the thing that you agreed to do. I'm just kidding. I know all those students go to another church. But when you're sharing this message with them later, you can be like, it's for you. Get it together, man. Maybe you promised your spouse you were going to change something about your schedule, but months have gone by and you haven't done it yet. You were just trying to get the heat off you and not really change. Maybe you promised yourself that you would address an unhealthy habit that's drawing you away from God and away from healthy relationships with other people, but you just keep making excuses. Maybe you told God you were gonna put him first, but you've allowed the uncertainty of your circumstances to dictate your devotion instead of your faith in God. And can I tell you, that's a character thing. It's a character thing. And for all of us who believe in Jesus, if you don't, you can take a pass on this, but for all of us who believe in Jesus, you know what I've learned and continue to learn? The enemy of our faith loves it when we allow a gap to form and remain between what we say and what we do. He loves it. You know what he does with that gap? He rents it out. He turns it into an apartment. He invites other demons in his roommates. He's like, I found somebody who keeps saying one thing but doing another. This is good news for us. Let's move in. It's an open door. He's like, I've got a seven-bedroom apartment, guys. Come on over. That's what happens when that character gap is not addressed. But the truth is, listen, there's grace. There's a better way. So how do I get to that better way? I don't want that gap in my life. We change our mind. We repent, and it's rule number four in the relationship playbook. We don't just say our yeses and nos, we live our yeses and nos. Our relationships work when we don't just say, and by the way, this is coming from somebody who says a lot of stuff. I'm gonna say a lot of stuff all weekend long. I'm a, man, I say stuff. I'm a preacher. I say stuff all the time. You know what? It does not matter in the end how much I say it. It matters how much I live it. And our relationships work when we don't just say our yeses and nos, but we live our yeses and nos. It's the final rule in the relationship 
playbook to become the kind of person follows through and admits it when we don't, makes it right. And I know for some of us, we're going, yeah, that's great, but you don't understand. It's my parents, my sister, my wife, my boyfriend, my fiance, my best friend. They don't follow through. And I hear you, that's frustrating. I hope they repent. I hope they get their act together. In the meantime, we are responsible for us. That's what Jesus is saying here. And when it comes to living out our faith, it's living out a strong yes to God that actually in the midst of doubts and setbacks and circumstances we can't control, it's living that yes out in spite of those things that strengthens us to face a million no's coming from all around us. After telling the story of the two sons, Jesus asks the final question, which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Of course, right? All of us know deep down that it's better to resist doing the right thing at first, but then after wrestling with it, come to a place of humility and actually do the right thing, that's better than to act like we're committed but never actually follow through. That's better than to keep saying the words, but not doing the things. And that leads Jesus to explain what this story means. And you might want to buckle your seatbelt. He says this, I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. Which I imagine did not go over well. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. Now, if you don't consider yourself a religious person, you're going to love this because Jesus isn't calling you out. He's calling all the religious people out. And he takes two kinds of people that in their minds at the time would be least likely to be close to God, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes. Now, if you work for the IRS, it's okay. They were corrupt tax collectors, all right? You can be a tax collector, but these were corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes in people's minds, all the religious people. When Jesus first mentioned corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes, they're like, "Mm mm-hmm, I know those people. They're so far from God. And Jesus says, actually, you're far from God. There are many of them so much closer to God. Why? Because they, when they hear the truth, change their mind. And they start to actually do God's will. They start to actually do what the Father desires to work in his vineyard. See, God has all kinds of grace toward those of us who said no to him our entire lives and then finally say yes but he does not offer grace to those of us who act like we don't need him, who say yes with our mouths, but no with our lives. And when it comes to all of our other relationships, our dating life, our social life, married life, our parenting life, our grandparenting life, the moment we become open to what God has to say about our lives and about our relationships, He forgives all the no's we've said in the past. 
because he's so interested in this. Yes, we're finally ready to say to him, for now and the future. And because of what Jesus did for us, all of our no's, we've said to God and said to God's ways are forgiven. And we begin to live out this yes and all of our relationships start to make more sense because our relationships work when we don't just say our yeses and no's, live our yeses. Good news and bad news. Bad news is I can't tell you how to make the people in your life better at keeping their commitment. I know it's bad news. Good news is God in his word shows us how to get better at keeping our commitments. And there's actually a way to live this out, a follow through filter that God gives us in his word. I wanna show it to you. It's in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, chapter three, verses five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This is how we get better at following through on our commitments. First, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does that mean? Go all in with God. Don't just talk, walk. Make the decision first with Jesus to follow him fully and then actually do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, you're not gonna be perfect. I'm not. But become the kind of person who trusts God. Let's decide. I'm gonna trust in God with my whole life. I'm gonna give him my life. I'm gonna give him my relationships and I'm gonna trust him to provide. And by the way, you may have to do this every day. I thought when I first started following Jesus and I heard about the trust thing, I was like, all right, I'm gonna decide to trust Jesus this Wednesday. That's gonna last for the rest of my life. Do you know, I gotta decide to trust Jesus again and again and again. And you may have to do that. Maybe you said yes in some area of your spiritual growth even. Maybe gathering like this or maybe serving or giving your first or forgiving someone in your life or being generous with your life in some way. You said yes, but now you're allowing your circumstances to prevent you from following through. Can I tell you, that's not a circumstance problem. That's a trust problem. That's a trust problem. And God invites us to trust him with all our hearts. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart, you start living out your yes. It's powerful. And then here's the second thing. Do not depend on your own understanding. What does that mean? It means you feel what you feel, but you don't depend ultimately on what you feel. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We are the CEOs of our lives, the chief emotional officers. So our emotions work for us. We do not work for them. They bring us valuable information, but we decide what to do with it. So if we're not depending on our own understanding, what are we depending on? We are depending on God's understanding. For some of us, what this means is you've got to make a decision whether you're going to keep leaning on your own perspective or depend on your Father in Heaven's perspective. If you've been feeling frustrated, fed up, lonely, discouraged, you may need to get back to depending on God. He is your source. 
And his understanding is greater than your understanding. So when you stop depending on your own understanding, you can tap into the understanding of God. And by the way, one of the biggest ways I've seen God bring his understanding into my life is through community with other people who are following Jesus. There have been so many moments in my life when I saw things one way and I felt a certain way about things, but I took the mask off and I got honest with a few other people who were going the same direction I wanted to go spiritually. And before you knew it, I saw a new understanding, a new way God brought his purpose into my life through the influence of other people. So for all of you in a J group, you, you signed up, show up. Why? Because you are living out your yes. You want the understanding of God in your life. And here's the third one, seek his will in all you do. And for some of you would say, oh, I got that. Like I always, I want God's will to be done. No, this is, this is assertive. Seek, pursue, chase after, not just passively, oh God, if it be your will. This is about a posture in our lives where we say, man, I am gonna intentionally chase after God's best for me. God's best for my relationships. How do you do this? One of the best ways to do it is to have this intentional time and place in your life. We call it practicing a slot and spot, a time on your calendar, a place you go every day to read the Bible, to pray, to seek God's will. Why? Because in that posture, you are chasing after God's best for your life, chasing after his best for your relationships, for your marriage, your kids, your friendships, who you're gonna get close to and who you're not. And I love how this often plays out very practically. There's a couple who leads here, I know them well, who recently shared this story with me. I, I wanted to share with you. They were planning to buy new furniture, had been for a while. And uh, the wife started scoping out what she wanted. She was researching it, imagining exactly what it was gonna look like. And three different times they had the money in their budget to buy the furniture. But they couldn't shake this sense that that wasn't the right timing. They prayed about it and they since they were supposed to do something else with the money, be generous with it three different times. And finally, they got a green light to buy this furniture. And the day they felt like, okay, now it's time, a friend asked them to call him. When they called, he said, hey, this is kind of weird, but I really feel like God told me to give you the furniture I just bought last year. And he was all nervous about it. He's like, you don't have to take it. I'm not even sure God wants you to take it. He just wanted me to offer it, but I'll send you pictures so you see what it's like and if it works. And when they got the pictures, it was the exact furniture that the wife of this couple had been scoping out and researching. The colors, the shapes, the sizes. And of course, I'm sure the husband was like, if I can sit on it, it works. But you get the idea. Now listen, I'm not telling you that if you always seek God's will, he will give you a sectional every time. <laughs> but I will tell you what he will do. He will show you which path to take over time. He will be faithful to his word, everybody. And if you will trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do, He'll show you the path today. God wants to work in your life. God wants to work in your relationships. The only question is, are you willing to actually do what he's leading you to do? He's calling you. He's inviting you to go out and work in his vineyard. In fact, for some of you, you're like, God, work in my vineyard. And God's like, that's not how that works. You work in my vineyard. You make what matters to me matter to you, and I'll make sure what matters to you matters to me. We 
will you actually do it? Maybe you've said some no's. In fact, maybe even now you're feeling a little bit of guilt or shame because you've said some no's. You have some broken promises in some relationships, some burned bridges, some expectations that have not been met. Listen, here's the grace of God. You can change your mind today. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can repent and go in a different direction. Maybe you have had resentment towards somebody for seven or eight or nine years. Maybe there's all kinds of hurt in a relationship. Maybe you've said some things that you know you can never unsay, done some things you can never undo, but you can change your mind and begin following Jesus right now. You can go back to a relationship you've filled with criticism and introduce compassion. You can learn how to be quick to listen, slow to get angry, and slow to speak. You can become somebody who speaks the truth in love. God can give you a whole new relationship playbook. And when he does, your part is to understand that your relationships work when you live like this. Don't just say your yeses and noes. Live your yeses and noes. And if you would say, as we wrap up the series, man, I received that in my life. I want to be somebody follows through. I want to be somebody who's committed and who does what I say I will do when I say I will do it to honor God. Would you just lift your hand all over the room? Just hold it up high. If you're in one of our physical rooms now, hold that hand up high. If you're watching online, you can stretch that hand out right where you are. And then would you open your heart up to God with me? Let me pray over us. Father, we come to you You are a God who always keeps your promises. You're faithful, you're reliable, you're dependable, you're consistent, you're true. And God, we come to you recognizing we're not always, myself at the top of the list, God. We don't always do what we said we would do. But God, we come to you today asking you by the power of your Holy Spirit to reshape our hearts, to help us change our minds. For some of us even right now, there's a relationship. We've gotten stuck in our own understanding. We're convinced what we feel, what we see, what we perceive is right, but we're missing something because of our stubbornness. Would you speak to us today? Open our eyes to see with your understanding. And God, I pray for all of us who are feeling the weight of unkept promises, whether we've made them or whether we've experienced someone else who hasn't followed through on them. I pray you would heal our hearts. Show us how to be people of character as we follow your son, Jesus. We pray it in the name of Jesus and we commit ourselves to doing it. While you let God speak to your heart for a moment more, listen, if you're here today and maybe you've spent your whole life saying no to God, I'm telling you, you can change your mind. So maybe now God's drawing you to him. Maybe for years you've been somebody who just said, that's not for me. I don't believe in any of that stuff. How could a good God allow such bad things to happen in the world? Just you've resisted. But now God's drawing you to him. You know why? Because he wants to give you the power to change your mind about him. Because when you do, I'm just telling you, everything else in your life begins to take on a new light. Until you know the God who created you, you can never really know who you are. If you want to follow Jesus today, if you're ready to say yes, to change your no to a yes, you can. 
That's why Jesus came. He died to forgive your sins and he rose again so that you would have the power to change your mind. And when you do, he will show you which path to take. So I'm gonna lead us in prayer again. And I want everybody, all of our locations, just open your heart up to God, everybody. And then if that's you today, if you wanna begin following Jesus, right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. Jesus, today, I believe in you. And I repent. I turn away from the life I've lived without you. From this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. Forgive my sins and rescue me today. And if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I wanna be included in that prayer, would you lift your hand and just hold it up high? If you're in one of our rooms, hold it up high, yeah. Put in my faith in Jesus today. If you're online, you can type the word faith in the comments, whatever platform you're on. Then make sure you share that with us on a connect card. Before you leave, I wanna celebrate that with you and help you take your next step. But for right now, Journey, would you help me? Let's give Jesus all the thanks. Come on, would you do that with me?